Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Blaze in the Bullpen podcast, New Year's Day edition. We're coming at you not exactly live, but uh, relatively live, depending on whenever you're listening to this. It's Friday, January 1st. I almost said January 1. January 1, January 1st. Either one is the same thing. 2021. It's 5.17 p.m. And I have a special guest host whose name uh, he can choose, whatever he'd like it to be. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Oh, man. Wow. Tough choice. You know, there's a lot of good options out there. Um, hmm. Just call me Dave. So Dave is joining us today on, again, Friday, January 1st. So this is the New Year's Day edition. And I'm speaking more into screens than a microphone. I should be speaking directly this way. It's going to pick it up better. But that's just a sensitivity issue. That that I'm pulling back the curtain so that our listeners understand, you know, what it's like to be a podcast host. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't posted one of these in a long time, so it's time. As I, I spend money on the service every month, so and like I said, it's a special guest. Uh, I think I promised him an outline. I said I'll outline it. I'll run down the whole thing, we'll have a great, you know, we're going to take over the world with this podcast. And I did not do that, so we're pretty much just free-flowing and uh, going off the cuff. So this is the fully unabridged, unless I abridge it later, but the fully unedited, uncut, unfiltered, all that fun stuff. We're just kind of going at it, you know, a little more organic than we thought it may be, but... That's not necessarily a bad thing. This is the unpasteurized version. So what's up? Well, we got a new year. Did we think we'd make it to this point? You know, it seemed like uh, that year may have been about as long as typically two of them would be. There were times in March where I didn't think I was going to live to see April. Like, it just seemed like, oh, this is it. You know, it's it's almost because of the how time seems to have been stretched. It's almost such a distant memory. Although you know, going back to March, we're talking nine months ago. You know, it's it's a hard for me almost to put myself back in that time period. I got um, I had a panic attack one day, and I literally had to go to a friend's house, and like there by the grace of God, he. He invited me up. He was like, hey, do you want to come over? Like, And I really need... I Like, I just needed a friend. And I went over, and it it didn't help, but it was just... It assuaged it enough where he was the calm, you know, that that I really needed. Um, and it was the amount of uncertainty, and, you know, there was... You know, it, it, it was crazy. You know, I, 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 I can't say that it was like... You know, th- there's people on this planet today who've gone through, like, wars and real civil unrest where it was a crazy, you know, like, I mean, like, everything's out the window. And I can't speak for that. Like, I, that I can't imagine. But this was a crazy time. 
Oh, undoubtedly. You know, nobody, at first, nobody knew exactly what was going on. And those that lack of answers, far more questions than answers, was really unsettling to a lot of people. And just kind of waiting, you know, for the next day what what that was going to bring. And not really knowing, you know, the implications of things that were unfolding. And it not being a local thing, not being a national thing, but really being a worldwide event that was putting everyone, regardless of country or region, on a similar level surrounding, you know, the coronavirus... COVID-19, the China virus, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, Many names. The Kung Flu. The Kung Flu was another one put out there. That that one's kind of uh, never really picked up, but... uh. Yeah, uh, Joe Rogan talked about it on his podcast that your and my buddy, Ron Reagan, gave a speech where he said if there was... I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he said something along the lines of, like, if there was an extraterrestrial force, um, the planet would have to unite together as human beings. And I feel like this is as close as we've gotten to something like that, where it was like, hey, you know, like, all our differences aside, if we could all pull in the same direction, we could beat this thing. And I feel like people did pretty good for a few weeks, and then... It was like, ah, you know, it, it, it eventually became politicized, which uh, another podcaster who I love, Dr. Steve, who has a podcast called Weird Medicine, um, he said, look, he's a physician. He's a, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about versus all these other idiots like me who have a quote unquote podcast and get to just say whatever. He, he actually knows because he's a medical doctor and he said, look, folks, whatever your political leanings are, politics plus medicine equals politics. Yeah, I would have I would have to agree with that. Somehow, some way, the politics always seems to find a way in there. And whether it be just simply highlighting and adding fuel to the fire for opposing views and you know, it's almost like a self-reinforcing yeah. thing that it, you know, one side ends up not really, you know, they're not talking about their own view as much as they're talking about how the opposing view you know, stresses them out yeah. or is wrong, and it, it, that becomes almost their narrative is talking about what they don't like about the other side. And they really go for top shelf not not necessarily insults, but like, you know, like, I don't know. Take any issue that's contentious, and most people, I think most rational, normal people kind of meet in the middle. Like, probably one of my more or less, not that I, I hate that all every podcast I do, it feels like it turns into politics at some point, but a quote-unquote social issue where I tend to be conservative and I wasn't always. 
but now I think I understand it a little bit. I, I don't think I necessarily understand it, but whatever, I'm, I'm beating around the bush. I don't think, I think abortion is wrong. Like, I just, I think it is. But I don't think it's a simple, you know, like, I'll never, I, I'm a man, I'll never have to deal with it myself. Well, not not necessarily from a woman's perspective, you know. Right. It would still be something that you may have to yeah, give your opinion on, but sure. it's not, you know, it's not one of these 50-50 invested kind of but things. Jordan Peterson had a great, um, he talked about it, and I thought he had a great point of view, was that he, his opinion was abortion is wrong, but it's the steps that led to it that need to be addressed. It's not the, oh, abortion's wrong, right, you know, indifferent, whatever. His was more like, well, it's the things that led to it. Like, you can't play around with biological reproduction was his thing. And I thought, that's a good way of looking at it. Like, there are consequences for actions. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about all of this. <laughs> but... But, you know, consequences for actions, and I feel there's a growing, I guess, belief, especially from the younger generations, that, oh, we'll just, we'll sideskirt the consequence or the responsibility for actions, and this is, you know, through the lens of a broad scope, Mm -hmm. broad lens, and somehow, oh, yeah, that happened, but we're not going to have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, to bring up just a recent thing about uh, stimulus payments for people. You know, there's... Anybody would like more money. Yeah. You know, I, I think you'd be real hard-pressed to find somebody who'd be like, eh, you know, I think I got enough. I, right. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't need it anymore. But... At the same time, you have to think this is this is borrowed money. Mm-hmm. This is kicking the can down the road as far as paying for it. And there's some people that you know may not be in a situation where they need it as much as other people. Right. Yeah, I, I'm kind of that. You know, like I didn't lose work. Don't get me wrong. If they're writing the check, I'm gonna cash it. I ain't sending it back. I agree. But uh, I don't need it. Like, I don't think that they should write me one. Yeah. I I haven't been in a spot, you know, where I have to go to a food bank and get food. Or I haven't had to get in contact with a landlord or a bank and, you know, try and work out some kind of payment plan towards rent. Um it just hasn't been, you know, been blessed in the sense that right. I haven't had to deal with those types of decisions. Um, and that's the other thing is that I don't like when, I don't know how to phrase it, but when somebody wants to take something away from you because you happen to get lucky, like I happen to be up right now. Hey, you know, but I struggle for, you know. Like, I'm still struggling in a way, but I, mo- money's okay. 
my like you said, I my rent's paid. I'm in good standing with any debts I might owe, like all that stuff. But you know, I'm working hard and trying to get in a better spot, like, and that's my choice, like. But I don't like the, well, you're privileged, you're this, you're that. It's like, you know, like, whoa, like, don't try and take something away from me because it, like, I might be up right now, but I'm also, the storm's coming at some point. Yeah, know, there'll like, be another one. There'll be another one. This The sky may be clear for you right now or it's raining on somebody else, but that's not to say there's there's some help out there right now. I didn't lose my job in 2020. That doesn't mean I'll never lose my job. Like that, no. it could be tomorrow, like next week. Yeah, you you never really know. Hey so, Doug, you're not perform. I just started a new role. It could be two weeks probationary period, and then they say, uh, "You're not really performing where we wanted you to. It's not working out. Uh, wish you the best, but it's just not in the cards." Like that could be on the table, and I'm. Yeah, you never. You're never able to really see that far down the line. So, interesting point with that being, you know, there's... Let's go under the idea that uh, everything's going to go through and people are going to get these stimulus checks. You know, there's people who are really hurting and could, you know, without even thinking, know where that money needs to go already. Uh There's other people who may be fortunate, such as myself, where, you know, the money is not something I need to pay for rent or anything right away in a way then it becomes a little more I have a little more flexibility and discretionary use of that Mm -hmm. so brings up the point also that you know while I'm not necessarily hurting would I be able to take some of that money and put it towards something that I think could use the funds, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. You know, the overall idea is the government is giving this money to help in ways that it it's kind of thinking would help. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and with the broadest stroke of the brush, you know, giving the money across the board based on income, um, handing it out that way. It's yeah. not really fine-tuned towards specific things. So now... Being that I have that money that comes in, I could more fine-tune it and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to give a couple hundred dollars to this specific Mm -hmm. cause and more pinpoint that stimulus, whereas they couldn't do it. Not that they couldn't do it, but if they were to, uh, we all know it would probably take them 10 years to come up with a plan, and then people would have still been upset about it and don't get me wrong like that that's where the dave ramsey advice i think is good because let me put it this way in turn my personal finances which i'm not ashamed of i mean it, it is what it is if best buy if i need i'm i'm recording this on a macbook pro seven or eight years old now i'm not bragging still it, chugging along it's old I've done things to it. I've installed two hard drives and a new battery in it. I took, you know, I, in one way, I took a quote-unquote risk because I took the back off and I performed work on it. I avoided any kind of warranty, whatever. But I've done things to keep it running and it's still recording this podcast, chugging along, 
doing just fine. Um, which is another thing that I don't like about the American economy in general. It's not the American economy, but the hyper-capitalist economy, planned obsolescence, and um, like it, things aren't built to last or to be repaired. I think that's a problem. And it's all as a conservationist. I'm not a don't even, I'm not an environmentalist, you know, tree hugger type, but I am a conservationist, and I have an interest in keeping the environment clean and uh, ensuring that future generations have the same opportunity. All of that stuff. So, building things that you know are going to be thrown away. I think is a bad it's not good business it might be profitable in the short term but it's not long term beneficial yeah I agree and I think you know people have kind of been conditioned to believe that that's the way that things are going to work and you also have people who you know they're looking for the latest thing they have to have the latest thing what whatever's still working is outdated now and they're not going to be able to use that all of that said when it comes to debt and personal financial responsibility if i had to replace this laptop i really like apple products they make i feel that they make my life easier and i like them i have an android tablet which I overheard you earlier talking about. Like, if you needed a new one, you can play with this one. I'll unlock it. Uh, this tablet's great. And, like, for what I need it for, it's... Like, I'll use it as an e-reader. Or if I just need to surf the web. Or, uh... I forgot the code. <laughs> Hang on here. If I need to surf the web e-reader if I just want a little tablet like in the kitchen while I'm cooking or something and watch YouTube or anything like that it works perfect but there's something about it that I'm not in the Android Samsung ecosystem yeah and I'm like I should have just spent another hundred or another two hundred dollars and bought an iPad and had all my devices because I have an iPhone a Mac have them all communicable but I kind of wanted to, I wanted to see what the Android stuff was all about anyways if I had to replace this laptop and Best Buy was running a promo 0% finance on a new MacBook I don't have $1,300 or $1,500 that I can spend on a laptop. I might have $600 where I go, okay, I'm okay with spending $600 on a laptop. I don't want to spend $1,500 because that's going to hurt me. So if they were offering 0%, you know, and I can afford the payment and then some, to me, that's free money. In other words, I would take out a year note on something that costs you know, not that much. Yeah, you're able that's, to maintain your liquidity. That's debt. Like, to me, that's the whole thing that, like, debt is so... I don't know what the word... Accepted and acceptable. Ingrained and pervasive. That, like, I'm looking at taking out a note on something 
that I could afford, more or less. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't necessarily want to... I don't have the means where I just want to hand over that amount of cash at once. Yeah. And, you know, another thing with that, too, the biggest thing for me on that, you know, you've expressed it where you have basically these great terms. You know, you're able to take it out $1,200, pay it in a year, zero interest. You know, you're not paying anything extra for it. Uh, because there is no interest, but to me, it's always that risk mm-hmm. in a sense that, like you said, you're not on hard times right now. Who knows what may be happening six months from now where you had to spend a bunch of money on stuff and now that payment, yeah, $100 a month, that wasn't going to cost you anything extra. For some reason, you're not able to come up with it. And that's why I like Dave Ramsey where he says, he says it's in the Bible that it's uh, all all debt is slavery. Like, if you have debts, you owe somebody something. You know, you can't yes. walk away from it scot-free. And whereas we might not agree with him on 100% of things, I do like, you know, at the bottom line, he is right about that, I think. Yeah, it makes sense to me as well. Um, now, going back to what you were saying kind of about planned obsolescence uh, if we can mm-hmm. you know another thing with when we talk about economics we're really talking about resource allocation mm-hmm. that's what it boils down to and with that in mind you know we're buying these new things because not because they necessarily broke mm-hmm. but because we have created a system in which we determine that they are now broken. Mm-hmm. Whether they are or not, they're in a way broken, outdated, not useful anymore. And so here we are forced to, you know, if we want to keep maintaining what we've had, we have to go out and purchase anew. Well, you think about all those people that are now having to go out and purchase something new because what they had is no longer serviceable. Not that it's broke. Mm -hmm. It's just they're not servicing it. Or these companies are not, you know, covering that particular piece of equipment anymore. That's money spent on something that really doesn't need to be spent many times over where we could be doing other things with that money and progressing in a way and bringing up everybody's standard of living yeah. through some other avenue. So we were talking about it last night, and then I think we all kind of petered off and got tired. But the, the my girlfriend is more left than me politically, and that's okay. It do, it's not an issue. It's not like a. It doesn't. We don't get into fights. Um, but we don't necessarily see eye to eye. We just kind of like, well, that's how she is and that's how he is. And But other than that, our relationship's working, so why, you know, whatever. Um, but, like, there's more in common than there is different um, to the point where, like, we might... We don't get into arguments. Here's where, like, we're all just dummies who, like, buy into the propaganda. Not everybody, but a lot of people. 
And I'll say something like, oh, you know, this is, I think this is more responsible policy. Well, no, because long term it's blah, 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 blah. You can argue till you're blue in the face. And I think we're all going towards the same thing because to me, and I, I might be wrong, she wouldn't put up, like, she wouldn't put up with me if I were just a bum. Like, she ain't gonna have that. Good for her. And I don't think I could necessarily be with her if she was just a, like, talking point, left-wing, you know, like, well, this is this, and this is what they told me, so... That's the way it is. Like, she's not like that. And good for you in that sense, too, you know? And I, like I said, she wouldn't put up with me if I was just a bum, you know, like, bum dude. I don't want to work. I just work a part-time, you know, like... Like, she, she kind of, in a way, pushes me towards doing stuff. Like, like yeah, get your shit together. Be a professional. Be whatever you're going to do. I don't care, but, like... Be good at it and, you know, work hard and blah, blah, blah. Be actionable. Whereas I'm like, I do, or try to anyways, and then I get pissed because I'm like, you know, all this entitlement bullshit, these people are, you know, entitled, there's too much entitlement, I, you know, I go down that road. And she's like, oh, well, you know, there's people less fortunate, and, you know, it's a good balance, I guess, all yeah. things considered. In, in your the thing to a situation like that that I always find is somebody who somebody who's going to challenge your viewpoint and not challenge it in a sense where we have to have a winner and a loser of this but just somebody who's yeah. you know forcing you to look from a different perspective maybe kind of bring you mm-hmm. to the they're not I don't even want to say bring back to reality because you know if you might argue, well, I'm living in reality. You're the asshole, and you're the one that's out of line. And they might say, no, you're the one. You know, like, in in that way, reality is subjective. Even though it's... Again, this is... I, I don't think it is, but whatever. Well, I, you know, I could almost but, liken it to going to, in a certain way, just as a little example, you go to a movie theater. Mm-hmm. There's tons of different seats. You're going to see essentially the same thing you're viewing the same thing but from a different perspective there's some people that like to sit in the front there's some people that like to sit in the back somebody wants to find a middle row yeah. you know on an airplane somebody likes the window seat somebody likes the uh, aisle seat you know not too many people like a middle seat right <laughs> you know unless you're traveling with family and you got to keep the kids from punching each other on the airplane making a scene but she gets mad because i don't like certain foods and like certain types of foods I'm just like look I'm not into it I don't even need and that's where I like I don't go out of my comfort zone I'm staying my lane guy yeah. I, I could eat the same breakfast for dinner every day and be perfectly fine bacon eggs sausage toast every day and I'm good where she'll make you know I made a whatever, uh, you know, weird shit I've never heard of. You know, it, yeah, this recipe that I found, it's a Ethiopian dish. And I'm like, I, 
all right, cool. I'm not into it. Yeah. And she gets mad. Because she's like, why do you hate flavor? And it's like, what? I don't. I'm just simple. I'm a simple... Like, I don't need to, I don't need to do that. I don't want to... I want to do one... I want to do a couple of things really well. Yep. I don't want to do a bunch of things kind of mediocre. If I go to the best Ethiopian restaurant and order their best dish, I, I'm probably going to be impressed. I'll probably like it. Yeah. What I don't want to do is go to a bunch of mediocre restaurants and order their most mediocre thing and go, well, that was sufficient. Yeah. I guess this has nourished me. That's just my style. I, you know, I, I don't know. Are you that? Are you that way? Like, do, are you staying you know, in a, guy? In a, in a lot of regards, I really am, and I have to be pushed to try new things. You know, go outside of my box, and I guess you know that that's just the way. That's just the way I'm comfortable. That's the way I like things. Um, and you know, not to say that it's not challenging, because. A lot of the things that I do like, there there are challenges involved with those too. Sure. Um, so it's not that I'm unchallenged, but somebody who wants to get me outside of my zone, um, you know, there there's going to have to be some push, and also, you know, they got to understand that I I am going to push back a little bit. Yeah. Because I this is where I'm comfortable. This is what I like doing, um, and there's some. There's some guy, I'm, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, I like routines. You know, yeah. I, my, every morning during a weekday, I have pretty much the same exact routine that, you know, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I wake up, everything is conducted in the same order. Uh, rarely... Extremely rarely will I forget something or, you know, not do something the way it needed done. And that routine, especially in the morning, sets me up for being productive throughout the day. There's one one guy, I forget his name, he gave that commencement speech at Texas, Admiral McRaven, McRaven yeah. And... You know, he talks about making your bed every morning, you know, and how that's that's a small win to start the day with. Yep. That's something you can control. Nothing's going to... Takes two minutes. Yep, it takes two minutes if you're slow. And, you know, there you go. You already got a small thing going, and then when you come back, you have that... Your bed's made. You know, it's organized. There's some structure to it. Just something like that. Um, so I, I find a lot of value in that. But that's not to say that I'm not mindful of the fact that I do need to get outside of my comfort zone from time to time. Maybe I find a new routine by doing that that I would like to adopt. But it's not something I'm going to be looking to find every week. You know, I'm looking for a new thing. Now I get pretty comfortable and that's where I like to be. Yeah. Can we talk about making your bed for go a second? For it. Let's go for it. Uh, so you know I love Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. 
and the he that's his that was one of his big things that was make your bed make your and you know when he goes out of line make your damn bed in the morning mm-hmm. make your goddamn bed and he'll even you know he'll even throw the GD in there and it, as stupid as it sounds it's like I mean it makes it it's because like we said it it you know like you said. It takes two minutes if you're slow. And it really, when you think, like, it really does, it's not that, it doesn't take that long. And it's a very small, simple thing. What is it about, because I, I move a lot when I sleep, I I do, I think it's just in my nature, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I can take a clean, made bed and turn it into a wreck in the morning. You have no idea how it got there. It's a pain in the ass because I like, I like, when I walk in a room, I don't know what it is, it makes you just feel better. You walk in your room, the pillows are nice and stacked, I have a nice bed sheet set that, you know, they all match or, like, at least there's some cohesion to it. It's feng shui, I think. I would like to study feng shui a little bit more, but that's besides the point. I like looking at a clean, made bed. And I like getting in one at night, mm-hmm. especially if I'm getting in not necessarily early, but on time. You know, I'm not staying up late, doing things I shouldn't. You climb into bed, and then it's a wreck in the morning. And there's something about, you know, like all oh, the sheets awry, and I twisted up the blanket, and the duvet is all over the map. And then it ta- even if I'm running late for work, it's not late enough that taking thirty seconds to make the bed is gonna. I'm already late. Yeah. Take, I remember Henry Winkler said this on the Jim and Sam so, show. He said, you, you can, if you have kids, you can never be so late that you can't take two minutes to talk to your kid in the morning before you leave. And it put, kind of put it in perspective, obviously this is different because you're talking about raising kids and that's a whole other animal. But if you're already late, you ain't hurting at nothing. You know, if it brings you a little bit of... I guess what I'm trying to say, if it brings you a little bit of peace when you come home, to make small incremental improvements, you have a made bed. And what is it about, like, it's... I guess it's... If, if you do it, if it's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning, it's your first little win for the day. And I would say that a lot of times you do that, if that's the first thing you do... You're not even really awake as you're making it. It (laughs) has become something that you can do in your still midpoint between sleeping, having arisen from sleep, and waking up as you're... It probably takes me, actually, about 15 minutes until I would consider myself awake in the morning, you know, because of everything. And I'm, I'm able to get a lot done in that 15 minutes because I've made a routine. I've made it something that I can do without very consciously thinking about what I'm doing um, and then another point with the made bed um, you know and how you were expressing it's just kind of a, a feeling of something's right mm-hmm. you know at least something's right if you go to a hotel and you walk in the beds are always made now I haven't had the experience but I would envision if I were to walk into a hotel and the bed was made, but one of the pillows was laying 
where it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Now you start to question all kinds uh-huh. of things. And you're thinking, okay, what's going on here? You know, something is not right. But you never have that thought, really. When you come in and everything's how it's supposed to be, you know, that that level of presentation yeah. is there. This is pristine. I should, and that's the thing about hospitality management, I should be able to walk in and think, I'm the first person that's going to sleep in this bed, stay in this room, whatever. Like, yeah, they just remodeled the place and I'm... <laughs> The first guy. Of course, that's a facade. Like, we know that that can't be the case. But I should at least have the illusion of it. Yeah, you should be able to reasonably fool yourself. Yeah. So, I think I already know the answer, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're going to do it for the listeners anyway. Like, are you a habit guy? Are you a routine guy? Do you have, like... Oh, absolutely. You have to... I gotta do this. Absolutely. Are you out of sorts if you're not following your routine or your habit? I am. Uh, it would take a conscious effort for me to understand. Say something happened where I know I'm not going to be able to follow my routine. I have to make peace with that fact and then proceed. I'm not saying this is some long, drawn-out thing. Mm-hmm. It, it may be something that just occurs as a thought. You know, I'm not going to be able to do it how I normally would. Or if I get up in the morning and for some reason I'm out of coffee filters. Mm-hmm. You know, I, for some reason, didn't buy any more. That's throwing my routine off. So I know that things aren't going to be exactly the way. I'm not going to be able to make my coffee finish conducting my morning errands and then sit there and have my breakfast with coffee. The coffee's just going to be missing today, but I can't let that throw everything off. Do you have tears of it? Like, not tears, like crying tears, but tears, I'm, I'm motioning with my hand, if this, then that, if that, then it, like logic test, like I deal with Excel a lot at work, so like logic tests, if, and, if, you know, if this, then this. Yeah, if like you'll not, see a lot of times the tree's broken down into yeah. yes or no, and then you yes. proceed from there. So, do you have tears? Because I have tears of it. So, like, let's say I didn't, I didn't put the coffee on for tomorrow morning, and I forgot to do it. I don't have coffee in the morning. Do I have time to make a pot of coffee? You know, it only takes, like we said, it only takes 30 seconds to put it together and another minute for the pot to be done, I can throw it in my thermos. I don't have time. I gotta get on the road. I gotta get to work. I gotta do blah blah blah. If I can't do that, do I have time to stop at Starbucks? I'll order ahead, pick it up, or I'll get to work. I I have a whole thing, and it, I'm realizing what a maniac I am by just speaking this out loud. But I'm habit guy. But enough chaos in my whatever in my life I know contingencies and this is just a simple example you know we're talking about drinking coffee yeah well I I would say you know I know that on occasion there are going to be things that offset my routine Um, having that in mind whether it be especially now you know we're at the beginning of January we happen to live in northeast Ohio area and you got weather. Weather's always 
a possibility to throw you a little curveball. So I'd say I'd build contingency time, time for contingencies into my plan. I leave the house 45 minutes prior to when I need to be to work Okay. for a 20-minute drive to work on okay. the regular. Uh, often what I'll do is I'll get there and I'll sit there and I'll scroll through some of the news while listening to the news on the radio prior to entering work. And if something were to happen that day where that time was cut out, I guess that's more of a lower tier thing for me is catching up on the news at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, because something else may have come up where, okay, you know, I didn't have the coffee set up. Okay. I need to set that up or, you know weather played a role and it's going to take me a little while longer. I do want to mention one other thing, though, uh-huh. that I thought was interesting. You brought up, uh, what was uh, about somebody saying, or who said it about taking the time to talk to your kids for Henry, like two minutes or... Henry Winkler. The Fonz. So, on that note, too, something like that, especially, you know, over the past events of the previous year, mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of people have lost loved ones and whatnot, that time that you may not get back, something like that, you know, if you're going to be late, you still talk to your kids because if you're going to be late and you normally talk to them in the morning, now you don't because you are going to be late. A, your routine's offset. You're already going to be late. Now B, conversely, you're not taking the time to talk to them. Their routine you know, oh, dad didn't talk to me this morning. He didn't say bye or whatnot. Now you're compounding that. And if you're going to be late, this is another interesting point that I'm thinking of. Maybe that two minutes you take to talk to them is the difference between you not hitting those red lights while yeah. always while already being late. Now you talk to them, and just the way that the universe works, now you're hitting greens. Sure. And maybe you end up making it to work on time. Or work making it to work less stressed, and that less stress helps you helps to influence the rest of your day. You know, you're not under I don't know, duress not duress, duress isn't the right word, but you're, you're not, not beating yourself up. Yeah. So here's so you 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 indicated your get to work early guy. Oh, absolutely. And I when I first started my job I always did because I was commuting an hour. So I'm I'm already commuting an hour. And just like you said, if I leave one minute late, I could hit two red lights or whatever, and that compounds itself. Or I could just be 30 seconds ahead of an accident that causes a 45-minute backup. Um... And I used to get to work early on the order of an hour or, you know, 45 minutes, half hour early. And I used to, in a way, I used to love it because it was like, hey, pressure's off. I can, I can do my little things I, need, I know I need to do. And like I said, the pressure's off. Now, after a while, I think it's... I think it's not. It's not a. a D. L. Hughley had a great phrase. He said, I, "I don't think it's 
100% of one thing, I think it's 1% of 100 things. And I, when it comes to that sort of thing, I guess where I'm trying to go with it is if I get to work early every day, like every day for months, whatever, so it doesn't matter. And every day... I get to work early. Nobody answers my emails. I'm just getting more and more pissed off that, like, okay, Doug got to work early again, and nothing changed. And, like, I get demoralized to the point where I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'll get to work on time. I'll show up late. Fuck them. Like, nobody else is taking the initiative, like, to take this shit seriously. That's where I get into, like, I start spinning out in my head. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than spinning out. I spin out, and I get pissed off, and I'm in my own head, and I'm, like I said, nobody else is taking this shit seriously. Why should I? Mm-hmm. And that's, I struggle with that, like, all of the time. And then when I, this is where I really fuck up, and I admit that this is a more... This is 100% a moral failure on my part. I do that, and then one day, once in a blue moon or something, I get to work on time or even late, and in my head, I know it's like, you were late, you missed that email, you did this, and you knew it caused you problems or whatever, and I, I do the exact thing that I know I would hate, is I start blaming up. Well, if they would have done this, or if so and so would have done that, then we wouldn't be in this situation. When I know, like, it was within my power that we could have avoided it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Again, I don't know where I'm going with all of that. But I don't know. I I, I, I'm, I well, guess I I'm just trying to get another, something uh, out there. Another thing, you know. You said that you used to get to work, especially just starting work early, and I think a lot of people do that, and then slowly, you know, it kind of, say you got to work a half hour early, now maybe you just arrive ten minutes early, and that's your comfortable spot, but I think also getting to work early, you don't do it for work as much as you do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to work early for myself so that I know I'm here you know very rarely before we actually start am I asked to do anything um but I am there and willing to if need be but most of the time it's just more for myself knowing that okay I made it here you know whatever the day brings traffic's not going to stop me now or the weather I'm already here mm-hmm. do you like what you do like oh I, I do I do there's there's frustrating aspects and, yeah but there's rewarding aspects to it as well um, you know constantly learning things I think one of the things that I like about work and you know being in the construction industry and building Um, you have plans, you know, here's the plans that are laid out on the table. This is what we're going to be building and whatnot. 
but you're constantly running into those little things. Mm-hmm. You know, I planned on waking up in the morning and following my routine, but something threw it a curveball at work. I plan on following these plans, but now for some reason there's a pipe in the way where we're trying to build a wall. And how are we going to go about this? You know, and there's there's oftentimes many different ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. You have to go and consult with people, say, hey, I ran into this issue. You know, what do you want? Sometimes your idea is not taken. Um, sometimes there's another idea. They say, hey, I want you to do it this way. You might not agree with it, but by doing it that way, you're just following directions and, hey, I was told to do it this way. If it doesn't work, you're not at, you're not really at risk for taking the full weight of that. You know, yeah, I did it, but I'm doing what I was told to. Yeah. Okay. You know, whoever told you to do this, I got to speak with them. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, it's that one fucking, I'm going to go for top shelf here, which I, I don't like, like, it's not comparable. Mm-hmm. But, like, you care about what you do, and you like what you do. I don't like what I do, but I still care about the work that I perform. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to me, I hate when, like, when I say I'm going to go for top shelf, I hate when somebody tells me to do something, and in the hierarchy at work... I have to do it. But I already foresee the problems. Yeah. And I can tell, like, I don't know if I'll get in trouble. I don't know if this is wrong or, the you know, we should be doing it the other way. But I know that there's going to be a problem. Somebody's going to question, whatever. And you do it anyways. And you kind of have the excuse of, look, I... I did what I was told, you know. We, my manager told me to do it this way, and I—that's what I did. When when I said I'm gonna go for top shelf, that's like a Nazi type thing. The the age old I was just following orders, and I don't think it's fair because what was at stake then and what we're talking about now, you know, not remotely even close yeah but it's still something that's like I foresaw this going wrong and I didn't speak up or at least give any sort of resistance and that's another Jordan Peterson thing where he'd go like well why wouldn't you that's the road to tyranny you know that's yeah (laughs) Yeah, I could, I could almost hear him saying that, you know. And there's there's some aspects, depending on, you know, where sure. you're at with work, where maybe a boss, you know, is that that person who, when they say something, they don't want questioned. Right. Um, which I would say that's a bit of a character flaw for them. We all have them, so that's fair game to say. And that's a moral fair failing on their boss's part. It's like, well, then why is this person working here? 
if we if you and I both know that they're an asshole, why are they working here? Yeah, because if something if I if I foresee something being a problem and they tell me to do it a certain way, I more often than not I feel comfortable asking, you know, and I'll always word it in a way mm-hmm. where I'm just trying to be inquisitive. Uh, I think actually the one way I put it recently was I told somebody and you know, they told me to do something some way I said I'm not questioning you but I am asking you a question mm-hmm. you know I'm not questioning your authority right. or your experience and your knowledge yeah. but based on my lack of the you know previously mentioned yeah, I need some clarity I, I want to know why yeah I I foresee this this isn't going to happen if we do it that way and sometimes you know oh no they'll explain it um there's people who are good teachers and there's people who are not and i think that's where it falls in i've worked with some people who you know they'll take the extra five minutes to talk through something answer questions and whatnot and it always builds a environment where you feel comfortable raising a question and there's been times where you know, having raised the question, you know, that's a good point because not everybody's going to foresee everything all the time. Um, it's just not an ability we have as human beings. But there's other people who they don't want question. They almost feel it as a personal attack. And that's why I try to word it in such a way that, hey, you know, I'm not questioning mm-hmm. your decision based off of what I was thinking more or less tell me where my line of thinking would have gone wrong or why I wouldn't want to do it that way. Yeah, you really worded it really well, whereas I I don't have that. Or I, on my feet, I haven't had that ability. Because I've run into the same thing. And we're in two entirely different industries... Um, yet the same issue uh, has come up where I've had the same thing where somebody admittedly not a good teacher and that you know it's not for everybody like that it's not this person's fault it's just some people have it some people don't it's one of those things some people have it some people don't yeah um but like there's a whole so the new job I started there's a whole group of them that are that way people I mean and they just it's something oops how can I put it that like their competence is unparalleled and excellent in what they do, which is awesome, right? Yeah. And they're they're all go-getters, they're all ambitious, they all get after it, and that's where that competence and that knowledge, that institutional knowledge of what they do came from is because they're go-getters. But, on the other hand, they don't have the teaching mindset, so when they go to add somebody... There's no structure for me who I'm starting new 
and there hasn't been any sort of structure as to training, it's like, well, you just learn by doing. And it's like, that's fine. Like, I, I get that. But, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't, yeah, and I just I disagree I put, with put, them there. I put pressure on myself because that's where I think you and I are the same. I don't want to do anything poorly or I don't want to be in anybody's way. I don't want to be a speed bump. I want to do things well, but I don't have the toolkit yet to do so. So I need some help. I need some training wheels. Yeah, I'm I'm very nearsighted in what I'm doing. Being that I'm so new, I don't have the experience and the time and those tools to be also seeing down the road how certain actions may have implications later down the road. And with, I, I would invite you, honestly, though, to also go ahead and use that phrase. You know, I come up with it. Probably somebody in the world has said it before, but I like it. I've, I've started trying to incorporate it into my questioning, of, especially those, you know in an authoritative position mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm not questioning you, but I am asking you a question. And I, yeah. I, in the way that it comes off, I've never had anybody, you know, who has gotten upset with that. Yeah. Because by saying I'm not questioning you, I'm, I'm alluding to, okay, I know you have the authority. You know, I'm, I'm giving you that respect. But I just don't understand something. I need you to try and convey it to me in a way that will make me understand. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they would, they, they would probably go, Oh, no, I, I didn't mean to come off that way. I, you know, I, I'm trying to explain, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, they're going to... Because that's what this person, my... I don't know if she's my boss, but she, I take orders from her. <laughs> but she... Uh, she messaged me the other day. She goes, look, if it ever, if I'm ever being, coming across as bossy or I'm being, uh, what's the word? Like, in other words, uh, unmanageable or I'm giving you a too Herculean attack. Like I need you to tell me, Hey, we got to slow down because it's, it's becoming unmanageable. And I haven't been good at that either because you never want to, you never want to be the person who's like, Oh, I have too much work. I can't do anything else right now. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, especially being new. You don't want to put that out there. But if... And it, it's a balancing act. You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't make all the right decisions sometimes. But you have to also... They've told you that. Don't be afraid to let them know. Yeah. If that does become a serious thing, say, hey... You know, I'm struggling with this a little bit. Uh, I can't, I can't necessarily get to that right now. Mm-hmm. I will, but it may not be in the time frame as previously. And it's it's a delicate thing, you know. In the moment, under the specifics, knowing what's going on, you'd be able to right come up with that. One of one of the guys from camp, uh, he he worked. How can I put this? I want to be vague, but I also want you to know, and it's kind of a fun game that we play on the podcast because we we don't use real name, you know, like we, we try to be vague, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a fun puzzle. He worked in a southern state at a manufacturer 
of goods. Ooh. Commodities mm -hmm. that are sold behind the counter at gas stations and convenience stores. Okay. He worked at a factory that they produce those. Gotcha. Um, which totally doesn't matter for the story. He worked at a manufacturing plant, is the bottom line. All right. But just, for, you know, Southern, you know, that kind of thing. Anyways, he said, uh, before he retired, he said he, um, he wasn't, sh like, he would work, pick up extra, and I think we were bitching about he was bitching about our generation, which if you asked him about me and my, my friend who's been on this podcast that we go together to the camp, he would say like, oh no, those boys, those are good boys. I would like to have them work for me. Yeah. But he would say, he said something along the lines of, you know, every, old men like, oh, you know, everybody wants to start at the top. They, they want to start at the top. They don't want to do the entry level work and. I think that's probably a tale as old as time. Yeah. Partly because it's true, and also partly because the guys who work their way to the top go, look at all these motherfuckers. They, they just want to start at my level. You know what I had to do to get to here? get to this spot. And, you know, I, I think, again, it's there's always going to be a boss's son somewhere. He's always going to start a leg up. It, that's unfair. It is unfair. I agree. That's reality. Yeah. Whatever. You know, but uh, anyways, so we were talking about that kind of thing. And he said, again, going towards the Pareto principle that we were talking about last night, he said that, he, you know, he, he's an honest worker. He wants to work hard and do, you know, his little job and blah, blah, blah. And his supervisor asked him, oh, can you do this, you know, can you do this extra thing right here? And he said he told his supervisor, look, I, I want you to know, I know and you know that you're taking advantage of me. And the supervisor, oh, why do you say that? You know, why do you... He goes, look, he said, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm going to do it. You asked me to do it and, and I'm being honest with you. I'll, I'll do it. But I know that you're, you're taking advantage of me because this isn't my job. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because you'll know I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And you'll know that you'll get less grief out of me than somebody else that you're going to ask. Yeah. I just want my you, job to do. I just want you to know that I'm aware of what's going on. And I think... I, I, I thought about that. And I thought, that's brilliant. Because it's like, I'm going to do it. But I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, words, almost that... You know, it's not my job. You asked me to do it, I'll do it. But I want you to recognize that I'm not doing this as a part of my duty. Right. In my job description, I'm doing this as a favor to you. You're the one that's out of line. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know right now, we're not setting a precedent of I do this from now on. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, I thought, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And, and it takes some courage to do that. And it was just, like he said, he goes, I'll do it. But, you know, I, we ain't setting this up, you know. 
I did. I had one back in July or August now. I got an email, and they said, hey, we want you to start doing this. And I said, well, what's it entail? And they said, well, there's going to be a training on it. I'm busier than shit. It's been, in our industry, it's been a year from, well, in any industry, it doesn't matter. It's it, it It's been a year from hell. Yeah. And I could bitch about how, oh, our industry, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's been shitty for everybody. Uh, but I'm busier than shit. And we do this training. And I, I sit through the training. And I'm the whole training, I'm thinking, I do not have time to add this to be part of my day now. I, I, don't, I don't have time for it. And I'm not doing it. I'm putting my foot down. And I know who, like, the person that's running the training, they didn't call me in. Like, it wasn't up to them. So I called my boss, my direct super, and said, look, I was pulled into a training. I don't have time to do this. I don't know how this happened. I don't know who volunteered me for it. I can't do this. And she goes, no, thank you for telling me. Like, this is exactly what we want you to do. Like, you need to speak up when we, you know, like, when this kind of thing's happened. I had no idea about it. I don't know who put you up for this. I'll, you know, I'll get this off your plate. Okay, good. We hang up. I, I think I shot the shit with somebody for 10 minutes, maybe. It was the end of the day. My phone rings, and I, I pick it up. I'm really sorry, but I couldn't get it off your plate. You know, these orders came from above me. <laughs> you still got to do it. And I was dejected. I was like, there's, like, this is not right. And when I had a meeting with my boss later on, I, I feel, I don't feel bad because I was being truthful. And this is the only, it seems like the only way that shit gets done is you gotta be a squeaky wheel sometimes. Oh yes, and I and I hate doing it. I I can't fucking stand it. And I I had I raised my voice to somebody who my employment is contingent on her being in a good mood, and I raised my voice and do I matter here or not? Like, am I part of the team? I said shit like that. I was like, am I part of the team or not? Am I gonna be? You know, like I'm not doing this for my health. And she was like, no, you are, you are, you know, like, and we, you know, it, we didn't have a fit, but we had, it was what it was. And I, yeah. in hindsight, I thought, that wasn't exactly professional. Yeah. <laughs> like, Not ideal, but. It, I, I don't know how things got to this level. You know, some things have to be said, you know, and it's not all sunshine, but. You do reach some situations where you gotta you gotta say it, and I've I've struggled with it too. Sometimes you know, uh, you know, just turn turn your head, and walk away, and start taking on that task. And you know, I I could probably bitch with the best of them to yeah. be honest with you, but you know, it's it's every situation is so different and dependent on so many different factors you know what isn't exactly trained what's that 
hurt feelings are okay. It's okay to have hurt feelings, and it's okay to hurt feelings sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. I don't want to have hurt feelings, but sometimes my feelings are hurt. Which is such a not man thing to say that like no man is ever going to say that kind of thing. But it happens. It's real. And sometimes people's feelings have to get hurt in order, you know, like if you're in a position of power or influence, you know that your decisions, decision points by George W. Bush, your decisions are going to lead to some hurt feelings sometimes. And sometimes those those people who need their feelings hurt may be some people who, you know, you have really close relationships with. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes your friend may need, you may need to hurt your friend's feelings a little bit to get them to realize the gravity of a certain situation or just how things need to be mm-hmm. and that they're not ideal but that's how it is and you know if you roll your sleeves up and get some of that heavy work done you're gonna you're gonna accomplish it rather than kicking it down the road and adding to the pile and now it becomes even more insurmountable Very, very interesting how, you know, just the different interactions with people. And this goes, you know, one other thing that I think nowadays has been kind of watered down is what people say. Mm -hmm. And people will have a hard time remembering what people say. Um, There's a kind of a cliche statement I don't know who said it I don't know how long it's been going around but where they say you know people don't remember what you said they Mm -hmm. remember how you made them feel I think like with most other things that's a giant generalization Um, because a lot of times I remember what somebody said because words have meaning regardless of what some off-the-wall tweeters may just throw out there on a day-to-day basis. I also, I love that saying, though, like, people remember how they made you feel, because, like, I think that's more so, I think the, what would you call that? Whatever's behind that, how people made you feel thing, is along the lines of those little moments where it's like, I don't remember exactly. Like, it's something that you don't even intellectualize. But like, oh, that guy, he's good shit. Sometimes that might be the difference between, oh, we need him around and eh, not so much. The mm-hmm. little thing. If I call you a son of a bitch, a worthless son of a bitch, you might not be able to do anything about it now, but you're forever going to remember that I called you a worthless son of a bitch. Yeah. Versus if you and I have ten nice interactions where I'm pleasant and ask you, oh, how's everything going about? And all of a sudden you get in a position, you might, you don't remember the content of those ten conversations, but you might remember, that guy, he's a pretty good guy. 
Yeah. That's, I think that's yeah. the spirit yeah. of that. That And, and I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, I brought it up as an interesting point because, you know, me being the, the lazy boy armchair lawyer that I am and getting into the semantics of things. We've had great, you know, you've had great, great careers in armchair law. We have, we have. And I, I wonder if we could, you know, start something along those lines. That would be interesting. Armchair law. Uh, kind of doubtful of that, yeah. But, you know, I think the the whole problem I have with that is people don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the statement being so definitive that they don't remember what you said yeah. is where I have the argument. Like, yes, I, I do remember what was said. And I'm also going to remember how you made me feel. I'm saying, you know, not always will I remember, but yeah, the phrase itself leads it to believe that words don't matter. And that is a dangerous yeah. precedent that I think is, we're kind of teetering on nowadays is, Oh, I said that, but I didn't mean it. Well, why'd you say it? You know, mm-hmm. why are you going to take the time to say things that you don't mean? Is it just, is it because you really didn't mean it and you just said it out of frustration or are you just saying that now because it becomes convenient for you to have not said those things? All right. Along those lines, what do you think of woke culture um, insofar as people being taken to task for things that they said from years ago where I don't even know what examples you can use because I don't know if this like this is published on Apple Podcasts and Spotify I don't even know what you can say because like this is how yeah you know I don't don't think we need to cite examples necessarily though I think everyone can think of examples in their own mind isn't that shouldn't that be disturbing that like you don't know what mm, I don't you don't even know like what's except like I might be quoting to cite Dr. Hakutani quoting you can say this if you are quoting and uh But the yeah, seriously, I don't know why I'm talking about all of this. Well, I'm I'm gonna try and run with it a little okay. bit here. You know, get into this woke culture and people, you know, bringing up what you said 15 years ago, and you know, these are the same type of people as a generalization who like to cite change and evolution of thought evolution of creation as it is and they want to bring up something and pin it to you from years ago Mm -hmm. basically pulling things out of context and bringing them into today's day and age I would say you know even today's day and age is vastly different from five years ago uh, in the way that some things have changed 
you know, progressed or regressed here and there, depending on the situation. Especially, uh, I hate the woke culture, though, to be honest with you. I, I think it's a very one-sided pincer movement that people, you know, if you ever said anything, we'll pull it out of context, yes. we'll throw it out there, we'll shame your name, you know, and all over one thing that, A, you could have changed, changed your mind, from then, you know, we have stories of uh, The Grinch, Ebenezer Scrooge. These are timeless classics that show a change in someone from where they used to be, and a change for the better. But something that somebody said long ago, we may bring it up, and then we want to pin it on them like they could not have changed their mind or their their heart their way of thinking yeah and even if they come out because the problem is even if they come out and say yes I did say that I no longer hold those beliefs right I find them to be wrong now right right they still there's no there's they don't accept an apology no it, the, apologies no, don't apology, matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they want They're, to take you down on something it will take you down on it. Charlton Heston predicted it back in 99 when he gave that speech at Harvard. He said, this is a new era of McCarthyism. And in a lot of regards, it's a new, not... Ah, the president, the sitting president called a lot of things a witch hunt. But in a certain way, like... Okay, the term witch hunt, if we're going to get to definitions, is... What do you think of when you think of witch hunt? It's, in the modern, the parlance of our times, as we would say, it's, not to use another idiom, but it's a goose chase. It's, you're going after something that you're never going to... I mean, it's, it, you're... Ah. Uh, you're trying to destroy somebody under false pretenses. I think very... If you say witch hunt, my mind instantly just thinks of Salem witch trials. Okay. Which, that's where it comes from because you and I both know witches aren't real. It's not a real... If somebody practices witchcraft, okay, fine, whatever. I think I've met a few in my life, but that was more of their... You know, they may have been having a bad day, so... <laughs> yeah. We'll give them that. But it's it's nonsense. Even if that was true, even if they are practicing quote-unquote witchcraft, you and I are rational, scientific human beings. I don't think that they should be burned at the stake for it. But the bottom line is people were. And, and they were in that day and age as well. Yeah. There was a lot of... We now know it to be wrong, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> exactly, but a lot of prevailing thoughts at the time, you know, the same way in uh, when President Garfield was shot, you know, they didn't practice what we would consider sanitary surgical procedures yeah. at the time. And they say that that's what led to right. him... Uh, passing away was the infection not so much the initial wound itself that's true but the unsanitary practices by which they were practicing medicine so oh excuse me um 
yeah, uh, things that you, somebody said years ago, witch hunt kind of thing. To me, it's I, like I get it. You know, like like we just said, like okay, that's the belief that they held at that time, but we just that's not how we are anymore. Again, I don't know where I'm really going with all that. Other than like it's okay, like if I if I apologize or even if I because apologies really don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, but I I personally don't. This is where I find myself like, in conflict with modern day. It's like you said what you said. Like it, you know. It's I'm not gonna. If I, if I don't I want you to be. I don't want you to be hanged for it. But it, you know, it wasn't cool. But you know, it, it, the, whatever. If you if, but if I, you're not even afforded the opportunity to apologize, you're not even afforded the opportunity to change. That's exactly the point where they have you all day then. Mm -hmm. They've got you pinned all day. If they say, hey, you did wrong, you know, there's no, there's no chance at repentance in the sight of those people in society. You know, you're not allowed to. Also, let's face facts. Everybody's got some shit in their past where it's like, you know... Not my proudest moment. All day. I'd rather leave that behind me. I'll be I'll be one of the first to preach that. I don't like that the modern thing is that uh, there's no room for that anymore. You know the woke people and the progressive. I I'm generalizing, so now I'm doing the same shitty thing that shitty people do. Well, we're also prefacing it with. You know, that we're trying to be as fair as we yeah. can. So, another thing, I wanted to bring this up before I forget. We're all over the map. That's okay. It's my podcast, after all. We don't have advertisers that we have to... We're drawing, we're drawing the map as we uh, yeah. chart the territory here. You know, a little bit of a Lewis and Clark expedition. Do we have... So, I, I have a point, and then I have a sub thing. Do we have foundational principles or morality beyond which we will not forgive? In other words, um, the, what am I trying to say? I think, you know... Everybody, regardless of the woke, not woke, this, that, the other... Um, people would pretty much agree universally in our society as we know it. You know what? Here's the line. We'll forgive up to and including this. Beyond that, no room for um, forgiveness. Yeah, you know, I, I think there are... I'm kind of hard-pressed to find uh, examples in regular society, but if I could... Give an example I think fits to what you're saying. Um, kind of shocking to give an example of that from this way, but in the in the prison system, you know, there are some things, crimes against children. Yep. They they don't fuck around with that. So you know, if you have committed heinous crimes against children, 
you've got a target on your back. So and I don't I don't care what those other guys are in there for. They know who you are probably before you walk through that door. A friend of mine who was on this podcast more than once, he and I were talking about it, and I don't remember if we talked about it on air, but we I know we talked about it whilst recording a podcast, but we might you know, we might have been on a break or something. And we were discussing like conspiracy theory. I like conspiracy theories but as entertainment. Conspiracy theories, to me, are almost a new form of entertainment where it's fiction, obviously, but rooted in, number one, reality, because they're talk about real people that it affects and real news events. And also, two, when you take them at face value, that's when real people start getting hurt. So, like, historically, if we talk about literature, uh, the book The Count of Monte Cristo, Napoleon is in it. Uh, There's, like, real historical figures that are in that book, and I'm sure that, like, people that that book was based upon... It was based upon a lot of, like, real-life goings-on at the time, Mm -hmm. but the, the story itself is fiction. In other words, it blurs the line between reality and fiction. Historical fact versus this entertaining story for, you know, our entertainment. And it became a great blah, 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 blah. So, to me, I say to me a lot on this thing. Conspiracy theories are a bit that way because it's it's nonsense, but in the same regard, there are... Plausible nonsense. Real life conspiracies that have happened that only come out afterward, you know, after the fact, later down the road. And Which so, gives credence to any yes, conspiracy. You have to look at it and say, could be, but I don't think so because of these reasons. And this is where I think the Founding Fathers, Enlightenment thinkers, put all modern people, all modern people have access to all the information that ever has been through the internet and everything. Yeah, pretty much whatever you want at the blink of an eye. Those people, 200 and 300 years ago, did not. And they were the smartest motherfuckers that probably ever lived. Because they just did it in their head, and they had to go to the library and read. And yeah, you can write, you know, about the morale or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm getting away from it. But those, they had to, they had to go, aha, I am a rational, reasonable person. I will use, ra- I will use my rationality... And reason to determine whether a thing is right or wrong based upon the past 2,000 years of Western history. So they were really smart. And I was back to the unforgivable crime thing. The friend of mine and I, who we were talking about it, we said, oh, modern conspiracy theories. Why do so many of them center around pedophile rings because it's like real shit has happened like that guy shot up the pizza place Pizzagate thing and the Epstein thing is very weird and still not totally understood and my thought is that's a crime that's so heinous 
that it's universally agreed upon that it's unforgivable. Like you said, crimes against children. I think that that's why they gain so much steam and so many people are willing to believe it because it gets you emotionally upset. And we always need a villain. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's why people... Because I couldn't... Even if it was made up, I couldn't read about crimes against children and not get upset. Like, there's something biologically, it's in your nature that you you have to protect the young. I, yeah. I think that's the universal, that's, that's the one where we won't, you know, like... And I think that one of the things to go along with that, kind of in a way... Like you said, we're we're all over the map here, mm-hmm. but children, we were all children at one point, mm-hmm. and once you become an adult, it's pretty universally agreed upon that, man, wouldn't it be cool to just go back? So these, these children who are looking, you know, up to adults and different role models and looking forward to nothing other than growing up we all see the value in where they are right now mm-hmm. and we know how finite of a time frame it is for them they don't necessarily grasp the gift that they have so we as adults you know we almost i'm speaking for myself i wouldn't say jealous cuz i had my time as a mm-hmm. child mm-hmm. but you know, really happy for them and able to, you know, enjoy the simple joys that come to a child. You're able to enjoy for them in a sense, you know, hey, that kid, something brings a smile to his face and I feel, I feel good knowing that he feels good. Or, you know, she's really happy about something, some new toy she got, and I feel good, you know, just witnessing that, witnessing the genuine joy in a child, and so for somebody to commit a crime towards a child that takes that away from them, which can't be replaced, and we already know how to find a time frame, Yeah, that... That is something that, you know, brings such strong, strong feelings out in somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And it, uh, to bring a little, not to roll over what you just said, but to bring a little bit of, I don't want to say levity. I think you and I would work really well as improv guys because this whole podcast we've been doing yes and which they say is the first rule of improv is you go yes and and then you add to mm-hmm. because the like if you were to just go no no not really it wrecks the <laughs> the entire momentum that you've built up and like yes and works really well because do you agree with it? Yes. And also that blah, blah, blah. Whereas if I were to just go, no, 
I don't think so. <laughs> it's gotta, like gotta keep the wheels moving. Okay. You know? There's there's a way to even disagree. You know, you can't just you can, but it doesn't make for good good podcast to just disagree. No, I don't buy it. Well, you know, explain your position. That's the whole thing. We're here to have, you know, a discussion and we're we're not here to do anything other than give viewpoints, you know, and whatever somebody wants to pick up or leave there, feel free to do so. You know, just we're just having a conversation. You know, there's no no wrong or right. Uh, I've been wrong many times and right a few. I don't like when I'm reminded that I was wrong. People remember that shit. They don't remember. It's the yeah, way they do it. I wish people would go, you know, all the times you were right, well, let's start off. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> September 7th, 2015, you made this great point. No. But they always remember, you know, you're an asshole at this spot in your life. And it's like, hey, can you tell me about the times where I was a nice person? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of our nature, too, is... We remember the negatives way more than the positives. I don't know if there's some type of science behind that, too. And I the, th- Go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, you were going to get right into it, but just behind the negative emotions and memory or positive emotions and memory. I was going to be rude and interrupt. I, I don't know if it's negative emotion like you're talking about negative emotion and such I wonder if it's again biologically related like evolutionarily related into like it uh, it's part of your survival mechanisms maybe that you remember the negative stuff well yeah because that that's what keeps me alive yeah, the positives are fleeting while the negative ones, you remember it in an effort for that same thing not to occur again. Yeah. Hey, this this was bad. We gotta, we gotta hold on to this shit versus the positive stuff is like, this, where, maybe there's an argument for that and there probably is and there's probably people way smarter than us that already talk about all this that like, Oh, that was good. Why don't we keep doing that? And it's like, oh, because of the bad stuff feels good too a lot of the time. Yeah, it can. You know, and it... it I, I don't know. I've brought it up a few times, you know. Everything's so situationally dependent. And what may work in one situation based on 20 variables Mm -hmm. you have 19 of the same variables and that one other one because they're not all equally influencing throws off your previous assumption on course of action completely flips it over on its head and you may do something way different all because of one one little thing you know I love drinking it's a lot of fun. You have a ball. It, it staves off anxiety. 
you know, it makes you feel kind of good. But you know what I also love? Waking up not groggy. Not, not like, hungover drunk, but, like, where you're just like, all right. You, you know the difference between when you got a good night's sleep versus when you were like, I, I recognize that I drank last night because I oh, didn't yeah. sleep so good, you know. And I feel like it's getting more prevalent as I get older. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, I love waking up. I love remembering my days. I love not having to apologize to anybody. But the, not that my drinking has ever gotten that bad. I mean, it has. But, you know, not all the time. But the... I also really love when I'm not drinking, how I feel, um, you just feel better. Oh, yeah. But for some reason, drinking is fun enough to where I'm like, eh, I don't know how much I love feeling that way versus the benefits that I'm getting because it blocks anxiety. I mean, shuts anxiety off. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't... Jordan Peterson, again, this is not, this podcast isn't meant to be a Jordan Peterson love fest, even though it's turning into one because of me. But he was like, it doesn't make you stupid. You realize the stupid things that you're doing, you just don't care. Mm hmm. And I thought, that's fucking brilliant. Because he said, people who drive drunk, they know that they're drunk, they just don't care. Yeah. Like, they know, like, yeah, here are all the risks of doing it. I just don't give a fuck right now. Mm-hmm. That's, th- when he said that, and I heard it, I, that some clicked, I was like, that's a fucking great way of, like, that's pretty fucking good. And I, I think it does do that. You know, you'll know you're about to make a bad decision. But, but you'll do it anyway. You're more willing to... Focus. Uh, hey, this is kind of, you know, backwards to what I was just talking about. You know, we tend to remember and focus more on some of the negatives than the positives. But when you're drinking, you'll realize about the negatives. But like you're saying, you just shut them out real quick. Yeah, there's some same negatives that you may be thinking about. Well, you know, I should do this, but this is going to be a possible repercussion or whatever. When you're drinking, it's just, hey, let's do this. This could happen. Whatever. And you just, like, discount it Mm -hmm. real quickly and press on with it. And despite all that negativity that we just talked about and those horrible, you know, <laughs> we, we did just go down the road there. Mm-hmm. We've been going at this for uh, an hour and 39 minutes. I think it is a good time. I think it's a good time to stop, but we should finish on something positive. Oh, yeah. Let me throw in a plug from Jesse Ventura, though, real quick about... <laughs> Why I would go to the pot party every time. Nobody's going to throw up on me, and I can go to work the next day feeling great. That's a great point. Not only do we love Jesse Ventura, I was a governor, a fighter, a Navy SEAL. 
Welcome to my world. But pot. I don't. I have woken up groggy from pot. But it. I thought I was still high. It's I like a. Know. It's like a head thing more than it is like achy. Like hangover, you're literally you're making yourself sick. Yeah. Whereas pot, it's like, uh, well, this is still real life. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as you were saying, let's focus on something positive, you know. All right. Let's let's bring it around. The only outline, because we haven't followed any sort of outline, the only thing I have written down is from you, and if you don't want to get into it, if you're like, I'm not feeling it anymore, that's fine. We can just shut it off. We can edit out. But it's the family notebook. Let's get into it. You know, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a rundown story on it, and then you can take it from... Right. where you want to with it but basically we're getting down to is um when I was younger you know my parents whether it be my mom or dad or a combination of both of their thoughts you know felt that as us kids got a little bit older in the school and we're in different activities people are going here and there and you know just the daily movements of life very rare that everybody was in the same place at the same time uh, just took a 70-page, you know, spiral notebook and put it on the end of the counter, and there it sat. Got a pen, anything you need to write as a note to somebody, write it down. You know, if you need somebody to do something or if you were going to be somewhere until a certain time, put it down on there. Uh, this predates cell phones and, you know, where those have come. And it was something so simple as far as effective family communication, um, but also, you know, by handwriting something, if it was a note to someone, you also have a more personal touch to it than... Hey, I sent you a text or, you know, in passing, just kind of shouted something to you and hopefully you remember, you know, and it was a constant thing that there it was, same spot, a little bit of a routine and some consistency of communicating. So that's what, that's what we had and uh, it seemed to work out really well, you know, never any issues, you you come home from work or school, you take your shoes off, put the keys down, and you look right there. Maybe there was a note that said there was lunch in the fridge already, or dinner in the fridge. You didn't have to make anything or get anything. So you also indicated that, alright, I don't remember how we got to talking about this, but you and I had talked about this, um, Again, a couple of weeks ago or something. Yeah, breaking the fourth wall. We we had talked about that. You know, this didn't just come up. And I love the idea of the... I was like, that's brilliant. Because if you make a habit out of it, you you check in with everybody. And if some, nobody has any up, you know, if it's like, oh, nothing new. Like, okay, well, good to go and I'll go on my way. And, you know, if everybody's on board and everybody's making checking and making moves 
then it's like, yeah, this is like a really good, effective communication system that everybody's in the routine of whatever, anyways. Um, but you had said that in fourth grade you were suspended from the bus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And your dad had kept the pink slip and you kind of resented that like you could he kind of kept it and it, it was not held over your head but it was like man like can we just let it again you know talking about what we were talking about a little bit earlier like can we just let the past be bygones like yeah I fucked up yeah when can you we, when you had thought it had died down it would it would come back up again whether in conversation or whatnot, and that was something you know that I wasn't really really fond of but years down the road um one day I got got a blank envelope with my name on it uh, and it was from him and it had that that pink slip in there and uh a written note to go along with it basically stating about having had that and kind of held it held it over my head for a little while uh, longer than should have been done and it was it was an apology in a way mm-hmm. and basically giving me the slip back you know that slip that I had for so long wished had been shredded thrown away burned burned again <laughs> just to make sure you know there it was now in my control and you know to do with whatever I wanted and uh, you know go figure uh, still have that slip now and that note you know saying that you know this was something that was done a long time ago and I've brought it up on occasion and it, it's something that you know you've learned from and don't really need reminded of um, but there were lessons to go along with that as well too if you you know have the the mindset that you can always learn something from a situation yeah um, but with the family communication book too uh, you know when the book was done with and filled up you know it, it gets burned or thrown away and yeah. a new log book is put out there but for a while it's still harbors those older things so you know a, another thing we're talking about in a in the light of forgiveness um, which people also need to be able to do it's a very hard thing to do sometimes yeah. depending a courageous thing in a way uh, to be able to give somebody that but where a uh, dry erase board or a chalkboard has the opportunity to erase some things mm-hmm. rather than to hold on to them. It's another option for communicating that, you know, just gives you that ability to... You can be done daily. Yeah, and start anew, um, which I think... You know, being the start of a year here, all things go. January 1st, clean slate, 
kind of premise behind that. And you can start anew that next day. Well, I don't know if there would be any better words to end this podcast by other than you can always start anew. You know, the old, as as cliche as it is, the old saying, tomorrow's another day. You know, there's always tomorrow. That sun's going to come up and you got a new day. Whether you see it or not, that's the other thing. This sounds almost McConaughey-esque. That sun's going to come up. There might be some clouds in the way. You know, you, you still might have the snow on the ground from yesterday, but that sun's going to come up tomorrow. And I feel that that is the most appropriate way to end this new and improved optimistic podcast that I just decided that we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the new and improved version where you get to wipe the slate clean. And I I appreciate the opportunity, Dominic, to have me on the podcast today. Um, You know, it's been a pleasure, something we've talked about off and on many times with the difficulties of the past year and getting together. Uh, Something I'm grateful for having the opportunity to be able to do today and hopefully can do yet again in the future. Believe you me, the honor, privilege, and other word... Because as Bill Burr says, you're supposed to have three. They've all been mine. I've been so glad to have you, finally have you on. You know, it's a crime that it took this long. I feel bad that the listeners, not only did they have to listen to me, but they had to listen to my shitty chair here, squeaking and making all kind of noise. And, uh, yeah, with that, we're closing it out. Uh... So everybody, you know, enjoy. Happy 2021. Happy New Year. Hope, you know, we're going to start this one right. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.